Howdy, my friends, whether you are new or old. Summer is free at last. To me, it means tangy lemonade, swimming in cool water, beach bags full of books, of course, juicy watermelon just dripping down my chin, and the air is just full of that scent, fresh cut grass. Oh, I love that. And my special summer playlist, cranking out my favorite seasonal tunes. Yes, I kind of listen to music by season. I know I'm weird. I'm okay with that. What are some of your favorite summer songs? A few of mine include Watermelon Sugar High, Black Betty, All That She Wants, and of course, this tune. Welcome to Jackie Just Chatters. By sharing people's stories, I strive to generate laughter, inspiration, maybe help you escape from the stressful world. I am your hostess, Jackie Lentz, who's still figuring out her own story. This podcast comes out every other Thursday. I can be found wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. I'd be most grateful if you left me some stars or a review, and subscribe if you never want to miss an episode. Thank you for listening and sharing. Glad you are back. I've got a story share opportunity to talk about, but that's going to wait until the end of the program. We were talking about summer. I used to have an issue with hot summer days. I'm actually more of an autumn winter gale. I, I love to cozy it up. Then my husband and I got Summerside. That is the name of my house. Yep, I name my house. And I live in a suburb and a house like thousands of others around me. But I do have a small lake in my backyard. Some may call it a pond. I don't care. To me, I call it a lock. I probably live on the only lock in my state. But this place has taught me to adore summer. A 90 degree day? No problem. I just head down to the lock and go for a refreshing swim. Though a warning, you better keep moving or those fish will bite. Now I'm kind of a summer girl and a fall one as well. It's kind of nice. If you don't know, I am a plus size lady. Okay, I like how the British refer to this in clothing. They don't say women's or plus size. They say curvy. I think curvy is way more classy. Yes, I am a curvy female who on a regular basis puts on a swimsuit and goes out in public like that. Of course I do. Water is my happy place. If I get in a bad headspace in the summer, my husband's like, get out for a swim, get out, hit the water. After I'm out there for a few minutes, suddenly I transform into a curvy, classy mermaid. Would I like a more svelte body? Sure, of course. I want to be healthier than I am. And you know what? Swimming helps with getting healthier. <laughs> this is one area where I don't let the inner critic take control. I squash any fear over other people's feelings about how I look. I, I do not let it impact my water time. And the water, I feel free. Heck, even being next to it, I feel more relaxed. I've made a decision to not let some extra pounds keep that joy from me. If you used to love swimming, but you stopped going into the water, um, usually about maybe like you hit your 30s or older, 
Maybe this is the summer to abandon that practice. Embrace yourself. Love yourself. Get back in the water. Okay, now I'm having a Jaws flash. But, you know, I, I'm in a lock. Jaws isn't there. Do your kids ask you to, like, join them in the pool or in the lake or whatever? And then, like, you hem and haw. Forget all that. No more hemming, hawing. Just go right in. Have fun. Just enjoy yourself. Now, go order that pretty fun suit right now so you can be wearing it all season. It is a lot more fun when you have a suit that you feel like joyous and summery in. It, it adds to that inner mermaid. Go find your mermaid, my lovelies. Now, am I in control of that inner critic and have this carefree, whimsical attitude towards all aspects of my life? That would be a hell no. I wish I did. That would be fantastic. But this whole swimming thing, actually, it helps me. When there is something that I want, but that inner critic is like telling me all these negative things and trying to block me, I think about what I have achieved. I think about like, hey, I get myself to go swimming no matter what. The only blocker is going to be, you know, like that water is just too cold. At times I can tell that voice where to go. If I can do it, then I can do it again. And it helps inspire me, which that's kind of weird to think about. Like I inspire myself. Is that egotistical? Is that help? I don't know. Okay, let me know. I just finished a deep edit of my first manuscript called Better Late Than Ever. At first, I felt so proud and that I finished my work. Heck, I even finished a week early as I hit that save and sent it off to my beta readers. Like at first it was great. And then like not that long afterwards, bam, all the self-doubt and imposter syndrome. Like it just was raining down on my head. This lasted for several hours. And then I was like, okay, enough. I'm done. You know, when I hit that save button for the last time, did I feel that it was a good story? That it was one that would connect with others? Yes. Yes, I did think it would connect with others. And more importantly, did I like the story? Did I believe in it? Yeah, I did. I have to remind myself not to let go of that. My belief that this is a good novel. I know it has worth. It doesn't matter how many rejections I'm going to get, whatever edits are going to be requested by editors in the future, or even what kind of bad reviews I get. It doesn't matter. I know it has worth. I should not give that away to anyone because no one can take it. I have to give it. And I'm like, no. My friends, have you told yourself recently that you are a precious person and you have worth? How about right now? Go on. I'm going to wait a few seconds. Nope. Most of you did not do this. Come on. Say it with me. I am a precious person. That's right. You are special. Next part. Say it with me. I have worth. Good for you. We all deserve love by the mere virtue of being alive. 
That's all you need to do. Take some time soon and think about the ways you are showing yourself that you are precious. You know, how do you show yourself love? This is important stuff, my friends. Okay, okay, I'm done. I get it. I don't want to get too serious. That's that's not what we tend to do here. One of the things we do do here is sometimes I go trolling for stories. I I got on a kick looking at old stories that made me smile from historic newspapers. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. I, I'm not even going to give you all of them, though hopefully I'll share more later. Hey, life is funny. True can be way more wild than fiction. And the past isn't always what we think it is. So allow me to share some of my nuggets with y'all. This comes from the Washington Post 100 years ago. Came out June 28, 1923. About an unconventional marriage, upsetting the idea that during olden days, wedded bliss followed a traditional pattern for all. Title, Art Before Love, Painter Pleads, Ben's Honeymoon. I mean, they really, they really gotcha with this lead in. <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm probably going to have several comments to make as I go through. I, I'm not going to restrain myself. We begin in New York. Ah, the great city. Nessa McMean, who paints extremely good looking girls for the magazine covers. My guess is they're not girls, they're women, but it is 1923 and they're going to refer to them as girls. Anyway, so Nessa returned from Europe on the Olympic today and confirmed reports that she is a Mrs. Ooh. It develops that Miss McMean was a Mrs. before she sailed for Europe on the Olympic on May 19th, having been married to John G. Barago. Oh my God, this name, people. Baragwanath of Peekskill, New York. Resident consulting engineer of the American Smelting and Refining Company the day before. Strange as it may seem, Mr. I'm just going to call him Mr. B. Sorry, I'm tapping out on that one. So Mr. B did not go to Europe with his bride, but traipsed off to Newfoundland to examine some new specimen of ore for his company. Miss McMean was asked why she didn't accompany her husband to Newfoundland on a honeymoon. Too cold, she said. I love her project. It's just too cold. I don't want to be cold on my honey. <laughs> she, she backs it up with, besides, they might have been chased by wolves. <laughs> I'm not sure what to think. So she's gotten married and she sends her, her new crew off to this wild place where he might be chased by wolves and be freezing his butt off every night. And, and she's gone off to Europe. <laughs> so the bride of 24 hours sailed for Europe alone, while the bridegroom packed off to farthest Canada, also alone. Perhaps they exchange postcards. <laughs> That's right. There's nothing so romantic than the language of love through postcards. 
At any rate, they will hold a brief reunion today, but it will have to be very short, for Miss McMean must get busy tomorrow on a lot of work for the magazine covers. <laughs> News that the world at large had discovered her secret was conveyed to Miss McMean by radio on shipboard. She promptly fainted. Revived, she began thinking it over and then fainted again. <laughs> I'm not sure what the... So, all right, I'm sorry. It had been the original intention to announce the marriage upon her return to this country. But somebody spilled the beans. And before long, a lot of people knew about it. Okay, to me, that's the real story. Like, you can't just leave that. Who spilled the beans? Like, was it a friend, a family member? Somebody was pissed off that they weren't invited to the little short wedding ceremony? Like, my money is on somebody who got snubbed. Somebody who wasn't asked to be a bridesmaid or somebody who just didn't even make the list or or they made some snarky comment about a gift they got. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody was pissed. And this is how they were taking it. Revenge. That's that's what I think. Miss McMean was asked discreetly by newspaper reporters whether she intended to continue work under her own name a la the Lucy Stone Leaguers, or assume her husband's name in the old-fashioned way. No, she said. I'm not going to call myself Mrs. Baragawana. I'm married to the one person in the world with a worse name than mine, so I'll stick to McMean. (laughs) I can't blame her. I I can barely pronounce this guy's name, and it's long, and it's complicated. No one's ever going to say it right. Stick with her own. They asked about a honeymoon. No, she said. She hadn't time for one. Editors were clamoring for stuff, and she was behind on several pictures. She intended to get out the old palette and brushes tomorrow and dig in. (laughs) Yeah, I love this. (laughs) She kind of has a honeymoon on her own. They both go their own ways. She comes back. They're finally together. And it's like, this has been nice. Let's have a little get together. And I got to go work tomorrow. (laughs) All kinds of traditional gender roles showing up in this article. I so would have enjoyed having lunch with this lady. You know, if she could have found the time. She sounds really busy. Keeping on the theme of ladies breaking molds, I have this gem to share. It was printed in the Oakland Tribune, as in Oakland, California, if you don't know. And this was back on August 9th in 1922. It has a little legal twist to it. Women jurors, scared accused, pleads guilty, reads the headlines. It comes out of Berkeley. Tony Leone University Avenue and 6th Street, appeared before Justice Edgar today to answer a charge of violating Berkeley's Little Volstead Act. The sight of a bevy of prospective women jurors so disturbed the man that he suddenly changed his plea to guilty and asked that the jurors be excused. (laughs) It so unnerved him to see all these women in the jury box. He pleads guilty. <laughs> oh, you'll find out quick. The Volstead Act, if you don't know, that's that's about illegal booze, bootlegging, all that stuff. 
The court acquiesced and Friday was set as the day for sentencing. Leone was let out on a thousand dollar bail. The confessed bootlegger was arrested by policeman O'Keefe after selling four bottles of wine to Detective Bert Frazier. His first appearance in court brought forth a plea of not guilty and a request for a jury trial. The panel of women, quote, got his goat, as he later explained it. <laughs> the mere presence of women judging him. And like, oh, crap, I'm in for it. They are so going to take me down. <laughs> I can't deal with anything. Guilty, I'm done. Just take them away. I can't stand to look upon them. <laughs> oh, I, I can't believe these stories are real. Oh, it's too much. Our next gem is about government oversight. To give you a little context, World War One which the U.S. did fight in, began in Europe in 1914. The U.S. would join in later. It ended in November of 1918. This article comes from the Newcastle News in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. was printed on August 14, 1923, so nearly five years after the war ended. Our headline is, Britain Still Has Absurd War Laws. The story comes out of London, War regulations now become farcical, still largely exist in Britain. After 9.30 in the evening, it is illegal to sell strawberries and cream, but it is perfectly legal to sell strawberries and ice cream. It is unlawful to sell cigarettes or tobacco after 8 p.m., but a saloon keeper can legally sell either if he serves a meal at the same time. If he should sell a biscuit with a glass of wine, he is committing an offense. Re really? A restaurant may lawfully serve a cooked sausage up to any time of day, but to hand over an uncooked sausage would be a breach of regulations. After 9.30, a shopkeeper can sell all the soft drinks and ice cream he likes, so long as they are consumed on the premises. But if he sells them to be taken away, he is committing a crime. Members of Parliament are agitating to have these absurdities swept away. What is interesting is that all those laws were written in response to something happening. Like, they don't just make this crap up for just, you know, whatever reason. I mean, something was happening during the war to be like, we need to have these laws. Which makes me extremely curious why Britain felt it had to make a law in which you couldn't sell strawberries and cream after 9.30 in the evening. Like, like the time as well as what they're selling. If you've got the answer to that, please let me know. Like, it, it, I'm just flummoxed and it's kind of bugging me that I don't know. Time to give you the details for the upcoming story share I promised earlier. So listen up writers or friends of writers. Here's what I'm looking for. It must be nonfiction, like memoir, you know, aka true, and your story to tell. 
It must be about the theme through the voting that my listeners did. The theme is moving. You can talk about why you moved, the process of getting ready to move, the move itself, settling in. There's there's lots of different stuff that you can work with there. It should be short. So three to 10 minutes when read out loud, uh, roughly about one to three pages typed. I will read it out loud happily, but if you want to record yourself reading it on an MP3 and send it to me, I am more than happy to have that done. I'm sorry, I can't guarantee your story will be used. I, you know, have a limited amount of time and I hold the right to edit any grammar mistakes. Due date, August 14th, 2023. For further information, head on over to my Jackie Lentz author Facebook page or Instagram at Jackie Lentz. I will have the links in the notes for the episode. I have a post at both those sites for this opportunity. So go ahead and check that out. I can't wait to read people's submissions. Oh my gosh. I know there's going to be really, really cool stuff. The Chosen Stories will be featured in September. In fact, this is going to be my last episode for a while. I know, I know. It's it's hard. It's hard for both of us. You want to know why? You remember me mentioning at the beginning that, hey, it's summer. This girl's taking some time off. I am sending out query letters for my first manuscript to a bunch of literary agents, and I need to give that some attention. This way, we'll both be fresh when we come back together. You know, a little distance makes us fonder. I appreciate all the well wishes I've gotten so far in my book enterprise. You guys are fantastic. Maybe if I'm really, really lucky, I'll be able to tell you that I got an agent by September. But, you know, let's not get our hopes up. It often takes like up to 99 rejections before you get that one yes. So we'll see. Hey, if you know a literary agent, send them my way. I won't say no. (laughs) Thank you to all my listeners. I'm so glad you guys joined me again or for the first time. I love that you're here. A big shout out to my listeners in Yonkers, New York. I appreciate you coming along for the ride. Until the fall. I can't believe it. I wish you well.